0: you know, as you are expecting. I don't know if you know the sex yet and you don't have to tell us, but just thinking about father-daughter relationships in general, what's your thought on the dynamics between them? You know, just kind of how you see this type of relationship in general.
1: I will say that I wish I felt more comfortable having conversations around parenting with the the father figures in my life. But I think that part of it stems from my perspective of them as parents. Like, you know, I would like to have these conversations, but what is the quality of the response I'm going to get?
0: are now listening to the girl talk with pops podcast my name is Brittany,
2: and i'm todd on this podcast my daughter and i are digging into the complicated dynamics between men and women
0: it's not every day that you hear a father and daughter talk openly about the struggles of love relationships dating and life but because we're dedicated to elevating the conversation between women and their fathers and father figures we're sharing our
2: intimate conversations with you that's right. No sugarcoating and 100% vulnerability.
0: Tune in every week to hear our fresh perspectives on challenges that men and women face every day. Let's go. In this episode, we're back with our special guest, Miss Reed from DamnDaddy.com. And we'll finish talking about how daddy issues impact romantic relationships. We'll talk about what it's like to be expecting a new child while still healing the relationship with your father. And we'll also discuss how difficult it can be to talk to your parent about parenting when you don't trust their opinions or how they've shown up for you in the past. Let's go. Kind of going back to the trust thing, how do you think your relationship with your biological dad or any of the other father figures in your life, how do you think that those relationships impacted your love life in general?
1: Oh, for sure. (laughs) They definitely did. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't date much. So like um, I had a little middle school boyfriend that I was like so wrapped up in. and I just knew we were going to get married and my mother was going to be invited because she did not understand us. (laughs) And then I moved to a different town for high school and I didn't have a boyfriend there until like the end of my junior year. And he was okay for a while, but just like I started sensing things change between us. So I broke up with him. I was like, I don't know what's going on, but you're not really being honest here. Um we could be friends. And he was just like hurt and distraught behind it, but then we got back together maybe like a month and a half afterwards and we went to his parents' wedding about a month after we got back together. So it was my senior year of high school at that point. We started dating at the end of my junior year, but now it's the senior year of high school and a friend of mine uh, went to the same college as him. and was like, he's dating like three people there. So I broke up with him again. Like, oh, I don't have time for this. But I didn't have a lot of dating experience. I didn't date anybody when I was at Howard. So once I finally started dating as an adult in my early 20s, um, I know that in terms of trust, my alarm system was on high alert. So if you did something that I didn't really vibe with, it was easy for me to be like, bye. And I will say that is because one, I had my own trust issues, um, more so around abandonment with my biological father, because there were lots of times where he said he would come take me somewhere and he never showed up or, you know, he would come and get me. And then we would spend the whole day with him and whatever women or whatever. It just was not ever really what we were supposed to be doing. One particular time, I just saw him do something very wild and he didn't want to take me home. It was like a Sunday night and the person he was dating at the time was like, take her home. She had a good day. She'll want to come back. But if you keep her like this under these circumstances and scare her, she won't. And then he got like physically violent with that person because he didn't like what they were saying. So I was maybe like nine or 10 at that time. And I rarely went with him after that. I don't think I did go with him again after that I think the next time I was supposed to, he didn't show up. And that was a couple of years after the fact. But I had experience with abandonment directly from my own father. And I also witnessed infidelity with other father figures or, you know, I just saw too much. And I don't necessarily think that I was intentionally exposed to too much or like, you know, in the ways that people are on television, you know, they sin. Gang violence and stuff is just when it's exaggerated for TV. But I just I was an observant child. So I don't think these people were aware of how much of their behavior I noticed. But I learned to pay attention to patterns. So it was easy for me to end relationships because I felt like, nope, I know where this is going. I've seen this before and I don't have time for it. My most recent relationship, though, I think has been an exercise in trust because it's like, okay, I could choose to believe that you're doing exactly what you tell me you're doing and that will work for me. And if you're not, and I find out later, then we'll fight and you won't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I say that. Like, you know, we were watching we were talking about, uh, Michael Jackson's parents or something the other day and- I was like, oh, well, he cheated and she didn't kill him. And he was like, wait, what? <laughs>
0: so he
1: was like, did I be worried? Did you just say that? And I was like, are you cheating? And he was like, no. I said, well, then you don't have anything to worry about.
2: So- <laughs> oh, that was a good seat right there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And it it reminds me of this idea of conditioning. And I wonder if there is a, this is when I would love to have like a child psychologist or therapist or something to talk to about it. I'll note it for the future, but I wonder if having a younger parent actually it does impact you differently. I know that kids are very perceptive, but like I imagine that younger parents are, they're just not that mature. They're not, what is the word?
2: They haven't grown.
0: Yeah. In my
1: opinion, having a younger parent was actually to my benefit. My mom had me at 16, and I think that she was heavily judged for being a teen parent, and it pushed her and gave her drive to be more successful. So I think that when she was sharing aspects of her life with me when I was younger, we are just very different people. So to me, the things that she wanted to share with me, I just had no interest in. And I just was like, yeah, I wouldn't do that because I'm not interested in doing that. Like, But <laughs> I, <laughs> when I got to Howard, I saw some of my friends who had older parents doing some of the dumbest stuff. And I'm like... Why would you do that? And I felt like because my mom sat me and my friends, she wasn't just open with me. But whatever visitors came into the house, whatever friends came from the neighborhood school or whatever, she was very intentional about what she shared and how and why, because she did not necessarily want us to have some of the same experiences. And she was like, live life, have fun, be alert, be aware. So like, I found myself at Howard being like the youngest person because I was 17 when I got there, but also like the mom, we would be going out and I'm counting heads, making sure everybody's still together and don't get in car <laughs> with that person. You don't know them. Like, why would you think that is okay? Or, you know, just... Certain things that I knew was not okay, or I had the experiences of my mom and her friends to remind me that like it's not a good idea to just trust any and everybody because you go to school with them or you met them in this quote unquote safe space of a college campus, you know, or it's a very friendly atmosphere at college. But just I just know I know I saw people do a whole lot of dumb stuff because they either had older parents who were too restrictive on them or who were not honest enough about their life before being parents. So I just, I kind of felt like I knew better. I knew better because my mom had the foresight to share with me. I do think that age of parent uh, makes a difference, which is funny because I never wanted to become a parent older. After I got to Howard and saw how dumb a lot of the people I encountered were, I was like, this this don't make no sense.
0: <laughs> I think that's an interesting point that I, I've never thought about my mom had me at I think 18. Um but I can remember her saying things like don't do this, don't do that. This idea of like her pulling from her experience and like how relatable that was to me being young. It was her speaking from real experience of like women that were like turned out or like women that got snatched up. That lands differently when you are like young versus like 30 plus cuz it just felt like she it was just kind of very real, I guess. I don't know. It's definitely an interesting concept that I hadn't, I've hadn't. i never really thought about. But I do remember my mom being like, these young girls, X, Y, Z, because she wasn't that much older when I was in high school. She was in her 30s. That's
1: what my mom's favorite thing to say was, I was your age not that long ago. And for my sister, it's very different because we're 10 years apart. So my mom was 26 when she had her. And for me, I'm like, you're just going to let her get away with that. This is okay. That's okay. But she could not say the same. I was your age not that long ago phrase with her that she was able to use on me and my friends because she was like, I know you weren't where you said you were. And nine times out of 10, I was, and she just was being paranoid. But you know, that was her catchphrase. I was your age not that long ago. Don't think I forgot. I remember. I know what it was like to do this or do that. So yeah, I have lots of thoughts on parenting and age of parenting and psychology and sociology and and just the way things have changed over time.
0: Yeah, me too. I think that's why I love these conversations because it just kind of feeds my part of me that likes psychology. We could go on and on about that. But I want to get back to your story a little bit. And, you know, as you are expecting, I don't know if you know the sex yet, and you don't have to tell us, but just thinking about father-daughter relationships in general, what's your thought on the dynamics between them? You know, just kind of how you see this type of relationship in general.
1: I will say that I wish I felt more comfortable having conversations around parenting with the the father figures in my life. But I think that part of it stems from my perspective of them as parents. Like, you know, I would like to have these conversations, but what is the quality of the response I'm going to get? I think in terms of me as a person, I've always kind of, like I said, been observant and Pretty judgmental, also. I, I feel comfortable saying that because tried to work on being less judgmental in recent years. But I've always had opinions of how people parent, like how my friend's parents parented in comparison to mine. Because, you know, all moms be like, if Billy jumped off a bridge, you're going to jump off a bridge, you know, all that type of stuff. So you just kind of have that comparison in mind. I don't care what they allow at that house, you ain't allowed to do it here. So just <laughs> being observant of other people's parenting. Started way before my blog or my podcast, especially because I also was a public school teacher. So just acknowledging the ways the students that I taught showed up—like I taught in Baltimore City schools—and I saw a pattern of really old dads and damn near teenage moms. And I was like, "This is yeah, strange." You know, I, I taught middle school, so it's like, "All right, these women are very close to my age, and these men are like." my grandpa's age. like, you know, what's happening here? Just different patterns and stuff like that. But I think in terms of preparing to be a parent, it's been scary because it's like, dang, you didn't spend all these years judging other people. How are you about to show up in this new role in your life? And then my partner already has a child. So we discussed parenting in terms of how they co-parent with the parent of their current child, even when we were just dating. And it started because, like I said, I was a teacher. So you might have a a question about something that was going on in school with their child or just, you know, run a scenario by me of a conversation they've had with their co-parent about their child and what would I do in certain situations or what were my opinions. And oddly enough, I kind of felt like the more serious our relationship got, the less they came to me about, you know, parenting their child or the less they wanted my opinion, so I don't know. I'm like, am I being annoying? And they're like, no. I'm like, all right, well, you don't ask as much, and they're like, no, I'm just good. You know, when I when I want to know something, I'll ask. Um, so I try not to just, I do it, but I try not to too often interject my opinion because that's a sensitive topic for anybody. You know, nobody really wants to be judged on their parenting, especially if they feel like it's not a positive critique. And I don't have too many negative critiques. It's just, you know, I have questions. So that has been something that has been prevalent lately. It's just like we had a conversation about a couple of weeks ago. They asked me what my non-negotiables were in terms of parenting with this child we're expecting. And I was like, well, I don't really want people cursing around the kid. And... Their response was like, okay. And it was like, well, this person, I'm not going to be able to have them stop cursing in their own space. Then that just means we don't visit their space that often. You can ask them to respect our shared space around our child. But if you feel like they won't respect that rule in their own shared space, we're just going to have to limit our time in their space, you know? Or, well, I might slip up and curse. During football or you could try not to you know i'm not saying that nobody ever curses in front of kids but don't walk into it with the mindset that i can't not curse
0: right because you have the willpower and ability to just do something different <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, it's not that big of a deal to you know i'm like um I've been slipping up a lot. I didn't used to curse. You know, we didn't curse in front of my sister or my little cousins. There were so many different replacement words that I learned. Like when I was teaching, if I was frustrated, I would say like sugar cookies or fudge cookies. And the kids thought it was hilarious. But then I was able to get my frustration out and not necessarily curse in front of the kids. So just like if you try, you could not, you know. So it has been interesting. Because I think when you are entering a situation with someone who's already co-parented with someone else and you are not necessarily a clone or a copy or very similar to the person you're used to co-parenting with, it's a different journey.
0: Yes. I just was having this conversation the other day. Funny that you mentioned it. Yeah. That's something that I'm looking forward to Pops and I kind of talking about a little bit more on a future show because... The way that I was describing this to my boyfriend is like we don't come from zero based thinking like, uh, you know, being with someone who already has a kid and you don't have a kid and like trying to think about how you're going to parent together or like make decisions when you're not even like the actual bonus mom or stepmom. It just takes a lot of uh, for lack of better words, negotiation and communication. So I, I feel you and I can only imagine the types of conversations that y'all are having. But before we go, I want to give Miss Reed the floor again to ask any questions she has for Pops.
1: Yeah, I think when I started talking about the co-parenting and everything, I realized like, you know, Brittany, you and your sister are quite a distance age-wise apart. What was that like for you having to co-parent, uh, with different people? And what suggestions do you have for someone in that situation?
2: First, openness and honesty. When Brittany was little, and she's like eight years older than her sister, so you know when they when she was first born, things were going really well. I mean, actually, I mean, in all honesty, things when they were little, I mean, as far as I know, were pretty good. They been more time together. It it was like really some decisions that I made that wasn't so good that affected parenting and whatnot. And I mean, I just got into a relationship that was not beneficial to my children and that affected the parenting. But my daughters are so much alike, more alike than they even know. And I sort of feel like that's really beyond co-parenting, actually, but I sort of feel like me making decisions that were for me, you know, is sort of it, it. sort of put a invisible wedge between them. But you know, and as I say this is way off co-parenting, but we have to make decisions as parents when our kids are young all the time, and we have to co-parent. You know, if the parents are married. We have to learn how to. We have to come up with a way to make all the kids, whether it's two or whether it's four or whatever the number is, make all the kids know that this is not ideal, but we're going to make this a healthy relationship. You know what I'm saying? And and we have to also just bring the kids, keep the kids together. I mean, because it's hard At times, because you never know what you're going through with the other parents in the room and how receptive they are to co-parenting or, you know, wanting to co-parent. But someone has to step up. Someone has to try to make this thing happen so the kids can grow up healthy together. You know what I'm saying? And, and be brother and sister, sister. And so whatever it is, being able to be in the same room together and love each other, because I think when you lack that, it definitely will affect the children. Co-parenting skills for me was a learned situation. I mean, I think we did it. Me and Brittany's mother, we did definitely did it. I mean, and it wasn't always easy, but we made it happen for the bigger picture. It's something that must happen. And someone has to be the bigger person, whether they like this situation or not, whether it's the ex, you know, on whatever side the ex is on, somebody got to be like, you know, okay, this is not my ideal, but for the children, we have to do this. So I, I think in retrospect, it would greatly Do justice for the kids. And that's, and you have to think more of co parenting. You have to think about the kids. Cause if you find yourself in a situation where it's four parents or three parents, you or two parents, however this parenting situation is, it would benefit everybody to get on the same page for the children. I don't know if that exactly answered your question. I know I went kind of off key because it just triggered some things for me. but
0: And I'll try to bring it together a little bit for Ms. 3 and you can kind of clarify. But what I think he's saying is that it's important to make sure that your child and your partner's child have and maintain a good relationship despite what other things are going on with the parents or despite what goes on with your relationship with your partner or your partner and the other co-parent, like, I mean, it kind of speaks to our earlier conversation around blended families, having an opinion around like how you want your blended family to work and like how you envision all being family to me is really like the, the takeaway because it actually, I do think it takes work and I think it takes the parents to be all communicating and on the same page. And And to kind of his point is like he had to learn about himself and who he was with and how he wanted to, I'm going back to my old word, optimize um, that situation so that it was a good blended family, um, especially for the kids, if that makes sense. Yes. And
2: thank you. Your words are so perfect. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you, You said it just right.
1: No, that that absolutely makes sense. And I think the reason I asked is because, you know, I didn't find out about my brother until I was 15. And we're only a few months apart. I think I'm seven months older than him. And once we got to know about each other, you know, we were old enough that neither one of our moms cared to be a barrier. So he had come to visit me, I had gone to visit him. And, you know, it feels like family on both sides, but just, they did not have to co-parent us as small children and my father was not available to facilitate there being a relationship there. And I also have a a younger sister with my on my father's side as well. But we don't have the same level of relationship that I have with my brother. But even, you know, when I got old enough to reach out myself, her mom made things easy and has been you know, the bridge for me to have a relationship with um, my nieces and nephew and things of that nature. So just thinking about examples that I've seen, it's usually either one parent is getting in the way or, you know, the parent who should be facilitating those things is not facilitating those things. So just curious about how other people in other places have handled that.
0: Yeah, that sounds like kind of what he was saying about one of the parents being the bigger person. And having to, I guess, for lack of better words, do the work. Yeah. I mean, like I said, in some of those
1: situations, it's the moms, you know, or the parent that's not really the parent, you know, it's it's not the two people who had the child together that's making the, the relationship easy for the siblings. It's, it's whoever is coming into it or in some situation has been.
2: That's the beauty of the blend. If it works right, that's the beauty of the blended family. I think it is more up to that third person, that third parent, you know, that came into this situation. I think it's easier for them to be the bigger person because usually it's it's some type of it, it may be something between the parents themselves. So if their father got married or the mother got married or whatever, you know, it's, I think it's easier for that third person to bring it all together. I mean, I really don't know because I, I, I just know that somebody has to. There's too many blended families now, you know, now are families that should be blended because some of them are blended by force, but not by nature. So meaning that they're blended, but they're just not living a blended family life. And it's, and that's not healthy to younger kids or to, you know, to kids. Cause I think, you know, if you got siblings, you should grow up with your siblings, you know, regardless, no matter where they're at especially if they're in the same city you definitely should grow up with but it's I know and I know it's not an easy situation for a lot of people but from my experiences I wish I did a couple things differently and I definitely wish I had stepped up a little more in certain situations that I didn't
0: some learnings
2: definitely
0: okay um that was great ms reed any last thoughts or questions before we wrap
1: I really just appreciate you guys having me on I think that In the the time frame given, I did the best I could to kind of explain some of the sticky situations that have made me who I am. But I I definitely appreciate uh, Pop's transparency because I don't think that I am unable to have these conversations with my father figures. I just think that I've never really tried. Well, at least with my biological father, I I think he has to be comfortable telling himself the truth first. But yeah, just thank you guys for having me on. Thank you for the stories that you share with each other on your podcast, because I love listening to it. It makes me laugh, but it also makes me think and I learn something new each episode.
0: Well, that makes us extremely happy. We're happy that you listen and we're happy to have this conversation with you. Definitely appreciate you sharing your story and just your more about your relationships with your biological father and and the other father figures in your life. It takes a lot of courage. You probably know this. Not everybody is willing to have this type of conversation. So we don't take it for granted. And we definitely appreciate you being a guest. I would love for you to tell our listeners more about damndaddy.com and your work around daddy issues. So
1: in 2015, I started Damn Daddy. Well, I started dealing with daddy issues, which is now Damn Daddy. As self-reflective work. It was just me navigating and reflecting on um, the daddy issues that I didn't know I had until then. Now, now I can't even remember what happened in 2015 that made me even start there. But I kind of felt like being an agreed individual and having so such academic success and at the time I was doing well financially kind of made me immune to daddy issues. And then I think I had a breakdown in a relationship with somebody else or not necessarily a breakdown, but just realized that I was not really a relationship person and wanted to explore more why. My daddy issues didn't look the way that TV portrayed them. Like I wasn't out here chasing men or strung out on drugs or things of that nature, but it didn't mean that I was not impacted by the relationships or lack thereof that I had with my father or my father figures. And that sense grew into me having conversations with other people and that Became my podcast, a discussion room where I just try to invite people to come and talk about their relationship or lack thereof with their father figures and how it impacts who they are and how they show up in the world. And I think that has been one of the joys of the past few years of my life because I get to have really interesting conversations with people and there are so many commonalities in our stories, whether people have present fathers, absent fathers, adopted fathers, whatever the case may be. There's often common threads. And even when there aren't, there are new things to learn. I learned the term abandonment spectrum when talking to somebody who was a dating coach. I was like, dang, wow, that's a real thing.
0: Yeah, I've never heard of that one.
1: <laughs> Season one, episode seven, the abandonment spectrum. I want to have that person back on just to talk about that concept. But uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Damn Daddy, d triple daddy Or if you are more interested in the podcast itself, it's at the Discussion Room Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, all of that. And you can listen to it on all streaming platforms, all the big ones, at least Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, all of that. And what's the other one? iHeartRadio, that's a new one. So, yeah, we we can be heard there. I try to have conversations with people about their real life. And it's not just what was me. I have daddy issues. Oftentimes, these people's relationships um, with their dad influence the work they do. So I talk to grief counselors and business people and relationship coaches, you know, people who do sex education, all based off of what they've experienced in their life, because. Who we are and how we show up in the world is heavily influenced by the way we're parented.
0: Boom. Love it. I totally agree.
2: I commend you for creating your platform because the things that, that you've grown up with and the issues that you have and are working through are definitely, you know, in your podcast, everything that you bring to the podcast, are you know, it's, it's all helping somebody. You're reaching somebody you know that may be in the same situation you're in that needs to just know that they're not the only one in this situation you know good or bad you you know it's someone that can understand where they're coming from so having a platform i have learned and like i say i commend you for it is helping somebody and it's also helping yourself because you're able to talk about things and get things off your chest and say things that you may not say to nobody else you're saying it on your platform so keep up the good work I will definitely be listening more and uh, thank you for coming on and sharing your time with us and all that good stuff thank you
0: (laughs) yeah thanks for joining us again we had fun today everyone out there we hope that you enjoyed listening to Miss Reed's story and understanding more about her relationship with her father and how that has or her father and father figures and how that has impacted her life and and her dating and relationships. We will be back next week with another episode. We'll be discussing how women tend to take care of men before taking care of themselves. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to our podcast on all the major platforms. And don't forget to share Girl Talk with Pops with a friend and follow us at Girl Talk with Pops on Instagram and Facebook.
2: Peace.